Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Phil Stringer, worship and creative arts pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires you and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Lord, we ask for a fresh Pentecost today. We ask for a fresh flow of the power of your Spirit into our lives. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do in these next few moments together in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Be seated if you're able. I want to talk this morning for the next few minutes about what a Spirit-filled church is. Because the Spirit-filled church is at the heart of New Testament life. A spirit-filled church is a nucleus of spirit-filled people. It keeps expanding, and as it expands, those that are added are filled with the Spirit. Not people who have been filled with the Spirit, but people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a spirit-filled church. In the New Testament, we read here in Acts chapter 2, it was born in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When you come to Acts chapter 4, it's the first head-on collision that the church has with the spirit of the world. Interestingly enough, the first confrontation was not with political powers, but with religious tradition. And there is something of religious tradition in all of us that resist Holy Spirit fullness. It's an honest thing that all of us need to come to terms with, even this morning. Our own traditions of knowing the fullness of the Spirit can be an obstruction to our experience in the power of God. You see, it's so easy to say, well, you know, I've been filled with the Spirit. Say, got that done. You may have been filled with the Spirit 20 years ago, five minutes ago, five years ago. But when we come to Acts chapter four, some of the same people were there that were in Acts chapter 2, and it says they were all filled with the Spirit. I'm not asking you, have you been filled with the Spirit? I'm asking you, are you full of the Holy Spirit today? That's the deal. In the early church, they were filled with the Spirit. The church was born in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me, as we study the theme of, of spirit fullness. We're not just dealing with an historic revelation in the Word of God of how the church was birthed and how it advances, but it's proven the key to the church's movement in the world. The cutting edge of what is happening in the life of the church all over this world is a revival of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a revival of the Holy Spirit. There's a world of difference, friends, between a place where the Lord is doing a good thing and where God is doing everything he wants to do. 
I believe God by his spirit is wanting to say to us, though it has not been your intent, I am not ready or able to do everything I wanna do. Not because you're resistant, but because you just need to be filled all over again. And something in my heart this morning says, then Jesus, I want you to do everything that you wanna do in me and in this church. Jesus, fill us all over again. Whenever people get curious, earnest, desperate, hungry, impassioned, and they start searching out the word of God to see what it has to say about being filled with the spirit. Whenever that happens, there is always a visitation of kingdom power. It always happens because the Lord is faithful to his word. He says, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. The doctrine doesn't resist the dynamic, but there's something in human nature that once we know something and have experienced it, to some extent, this, this terrible human tendency for all of us to suppose, well, that's been accomplished. Get that, we got that done. At Topeka, Kansas, in the early part of this century, there was a man named Charles Parham. He is the one to whom it's been attributed as being the beginning point of the Pentecostal movement of the 1900s. Charles Parham, had a tiny little Bible school, and that little school had about 15 or 20 students in it. He said, let's search out the scripture and find out what the key to the early church's dynamic was. Without telling the whole story this morning, the end result was there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in that little school, and the fire left from there and went to Los Angeles to the Azusa Street outpouring of the Spirit. And what we know today is the revival of the Holy Spirit burst into flame and swept across the world. But it started with a small nucleus of people who got together and said, we want to know more about this. That's an exciting prospect. It tells me that if we get earnest about seeking the Word of God and spirit fullness, that we become candidates for a special visitation from God. The patterns of spiritual church life were these. They were people of worship. They were people who lived their lives in vital fellowship and love for one another. They were people who reached out to others who needed Jesus. They were people who were growing in the apostles' doctrine. And when you go through the opening chapters of Acts, you find these things about this church. They glorify God. They find that they're just speaking in the spiritual language is just the beginning of what God was doing. For some people, that's just an end in itself, a climax instead of a commencement. The Lord has not given us a spirit, a language, a supernatural language just to splat around in some moments of ecstasy. It's a language of communication with the Almighty. It's a language of praise. It's a language of intercession. It's a language that God gives to assist you in every part of your life. But the thing that impresses me about a spirit-filled church is that the experience of the spirit fullness was only the beginning. It hasn't ended when you had the experience. The second chapter of Acts reports three things. The first is that there was an historical report of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, is Peter's sermon, where he, there's the declaration of Jesus Christ as Savior and King. And thirdly, the end of the chapter records the lifestyle 
of people who moved into that fullness. There's the historic event, there's the message, and then there's the way they lived, all in chapter two of Acts. People who live in patterns of spirit-filled life are characterized by a message that exalts Jesus and a lifestyle that lives righteously before the Lord. There is something, oh, friends, get this, please. There is something of a deep-seated joy that carries through in everything they do. And people see that, so when you come to the end of chapter two, here's what it says. They were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added daily to the church those that were being saved. People were saying, I don't know what you got, but I want some of that. Is there so much joy in your heart today that people are asking, what's that you got? What are you smoking? What's going on with you? It's the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life. <laughs> Come on, somebody. See, in verse 47, it says, the pattern of a New Testament church manifests in people by the attitude or the spirit of their lives. They have a winsome quality with people around them and people are praising God and having favor with all the people. If your spirit-filled life has become a road affair, you love Jesus, you sound-minded, you're devoted to the Lord, but things are just pretty well settled down in your spirit. I wanna ask you, are you really full of the Holy Spirit now? Committed to Jesus, yes. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you, yes. But is there an overflow of the Holy Spirit in your life this morning? I want my life to be filled with the Spirit. I want there to be the overflow of something in my life that throbs deeply so that things are different in my life. The status quo has been removed from my life. Let's look together at what the words are that describes spirit fullness. Here's the first one, Acts 1.5. It talks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a term that Jesus used for the experience of Holy Spirit coming upon us. And John the Baptist described Jesus' ministry. Here's what he says. John the Beloved records, John the Baptist's ministry is having this incorporated in it. Behold, there comes one after me that is mightier than I. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So when Peter says in Acts chapter one, verse five, he is repeating something that was said by John the Baptist speaking of Jesus' ministry. John says, he that comes after me is mightier than I. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And he makes this distinction. He says, I'm baptizing you with water, but he's gonna baptize you in the Holy Spirit. We're trying to figure out a way because we're gonna start baptizing people again at this church. I mean, we have to, may have to do it in Clorox water, but you're gonna, we're gonna start baptizing people again. In the eighth chapter of Acts, that says the very same thing. The Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on them, only had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. It draws this clear distinction between water baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The word baptizo, very important word in the Greek. The word is used for the dyeing of a garment. When a garment of one color 
is taken and placed in the vat or a basin and it's immersed, it takes on a completely different color. And the word baptizo is used that way. Here's another way it's used. It's used if a ship is sunk. There wasn't any question about a ship being in the water, but now the water is also in the ship. The ship is immersed. The word is also used when it talks about the dipping of a morsel of bread in wine. It saturates it. Lord, that's what you really want to do. Just take me, Lord, and dunk me in the wine of your spirit. Lord, is there anything of the past of my life that needs to be dealt with? Immerse me and die it out so it can't be seen. I want to be filled with your spirit. The word is also used when it talks about a drowned person. Baptism, it means to be buried with Christ. Points of bondage that have never, we've never gotten victory over in our lives. Leads us down a pathway of shipwreck. There are people who've had a valid experience in the Holy Spirit, but we need to go down, some of us for the 10 count. I, I can tell you that's the case for Ron. I need to be go, go down and, until the old man dies. Well, some of you apparently like the old man. Here's the thing I still hear from Christian believers. Well, you know, everybody in my family has got a temper. We're Irish. So that's the way it is. You know, in our family, just a long line of depression. Everybody's been depressed. So I guess we're just going, I just have to deal with it. You know, everybody in our family has had a problem with alcoholism. So I guess that's just the way it is. Hmm. Jesus said, I want to fill you with the Spirit. I want to dunk you. I want to penetrate the fabric of your life so that what the past has always been is no longer a part of your future because the Holy Spirit wants to die that out. He wants to break that out. He wants to remove that from your life so that you can be free to be who God's called you to be. When you, he that has the Son has life. He that has been forgiven by the Son has been freed from the past. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. What that means is, is that the Holy Spirit wants to penetrate the fabric of your life, want to penetrate your life to the extent that whatever held your family back in the future is not going to hold your family back anymore. Does anybody believe that the Holy Spirit can so penetrate the fabric of your life that you look different? You act different. You know, uh, a couple of months ago, I, uh, one of my doctor friends uh, was a deacon in our church uh, as a dermatologist, and he said, you know, Pastor, I just need to laser your face so that, uh, you know, you'll look younger. Well, he did, and I told him, I said, it didn't work. People still recognize me. See, some of us have been filled with the Spirit, but people still recognize the old man. Mm -mm. Don't you wish those that needed this were here today? And the work of the Holy Spirit is to penetrate the fabric of your life so that the old man is no longer in charge. The Lord wants to penetrate the fabric of your life so that you're held under, you're held under, until the old man is gone. Hallelujah. 
We need to go down till the ship is sunk, till the old man is drowned, until the dye penetrates the fabric. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And the Lord is a giver because if he finds anybody who asks, he gives. The Lord will fill people with his spirit and he does. The Lord wants to move to the penetration of the whole fabric of your being. And the power, through the power of his spirit. The second term for, for Holy Spirit fullness is in Acts 1.8. The Holy Spirit coming upon you. You'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The heart of this concept is that you will receive enablement, ability. So the onset of baptism has to do with the penetration of your whole personality. But the heart of the concept of the Holy Spirit coming upon us is enablement or divine ability that we're being given. There's a great Old Testament picture for this and judges and when we look at Samson. When the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him in chapter 14, here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he tore the lion apart. Verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he went down to Ascalon and killed 30 men. Chapter 15, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and the ropes that were on his arms were as flax that caught fire. He took the jawbone of a donkey and slew a thousand men. The picture of the Holy Spirit coming upon Samson is descriptive of the dynamic enabling of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon us. Jesus says, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. There'll be the penetration of your personality, but you'll also receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive ability. Oh, hallelujah. As I've said before, if you think this sermon is bad, can you imagine what it'd be like if God wasn't helping me this morning? Because I depend on him, how about you? You see, the prophecy of the Old Testament's fulfilled. When Moses, when the, when the Holy Spirit came upon the 70, 120 elders in the Old Testament, Moses said, I wish this was possible for everybody. Joel comes with his prophecy later on in the Old Testament and says, the day's gonna come when God's spirit will be outpoured upon all flesh. That everyone will be able to experience the power that you see being experienced by a handful of people in the Old Testament. That's gonna be possible for everybody. That's what he says. The power of the Holy Spirit, the ability of the Holy Spirit. And so the Lord wants to work all those things in our life, his character in us and his enablement in us to do the works of the kingdom of God. The third term about spirit fullness is this, Acts 2, 17. Peter describes the outpouring of the spirit prophesied by Joel and then in chapter 2, 32 and 33 he says, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he hath poured out this which you see and hear. So that's from God's side. From God's side it's the pouring out of the spirit. And then you come down to Samaria and Peter says, Peter and John say, as yet the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen upon them. Later on, Peter will come back to the council in Jerusalem and describe it for him. The Holy Spirit fell on them at the house of Cornelius as upon us at the beginning, fell upon us. You see, poured out describes it from God's side of it. Fallen upon us is from man's side of it. 
poured upon us, the abundance of the resource that God is releasing. The verb translated poured out was used when a person would say to another person, they, they are completely giving themselves to another person or abandoning their own pursuit in the interest of their relationship with another person. It's a verb saying, I am holy, consumed with my love for you. I am holy, pouring out my heart toward you because of my love for you. And I thought about the prophecy that the Lord gave through Joel, and Peter quotes on the day of Pentecost. It says, it will come to pass in those last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, like this Lord, the Lord having this huge picture of Holy Spirit life, he just pours it out upon us. And when you look more closely at the verb and its usage in the ancient world, the Lord is saying, I want to so engulf you in my love for you. I want to entirely be, I'm so entirely committed to you. I want to bathe you in all of my heart and love for you. Will you draw close enough to me so that I can pour myself into you? Chapter five. Verse five, the love of God, listen to me. The love of God has been poured forth into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. This outpouring of God's love for us is intended with the baptism, the power of the Holy Spirit falling upon us. The Holy Spirit coming upon us, filling us. I wanna tell you as you walk through these days, we've been through over a year of challenge and trauma and difficulty and fear and doubts. As we begin to move past some of that, I'm so grateful this morning that my past has been forgiven and my future has been secured. I'm so grateful that I don't have to fear next week, next month. You know why? because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. You see, when you're secure in your relationship, then you don't have doubts and fears. When you're secure in a physical relationship with somebody, you don't doubt them. You don't have fear about what's gonna happen because you're secure in the love relationship you have. And the Lord says, I want to so engulf you with my love that you feel the security of my love in your life. You don't have to be afraid. I said, you don't have to be afraid. You can be secure because you know what? The love of God has been poured abundantly into my life by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, Jesus stood on the temple steps And this is what John 7 says. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood, I want you to see him, standing on the steps of the temple. At the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if any man thirst, Let him come unto me and drink. Can you hear him say it to you today? If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink.
He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Can anybody get excited about living water? It's, it's as if the Lord had these massive pitchers of water standing at the top of the steps and they just turn them over and comes, what comes gushing down the steps of the temple is an abundance of the flow of water. But Jesus says, it's not gonna come from out there. It's not gonna come from the world. It's not gonna come from your stuff. It's not gonna come from all the things of this world that you have because the living water doesn't come from out there. It comes from in here. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What is a spirit-filled church? It's a church filled with people that don't just say they are. It's not just people who say, well, you know, I did that, got that, and uh, let's check that box. I'm asking today, are you full of the Holy Ghost today? I'm asking, are you full of the Holy Spirit now? Is there an overflow of the love of Jesus in your life this morning that other people can see there's something about me? It's Jesus. It's his love. It's his power in my life. So for some of us today, in the next few minutes, you need to say, Lord, penetrate the fabric. Lord, Lord, penetrate the fabric. Don't look at your spouse. Lord, penetrate the fabric. Because you know what? The biggest problem you got is you. The biggest problem Ron has is Ron. I'm the biggest challenge Ron has. And the Lord's saying, why don't you just go under for the 10 count? Why don't you let the Holy Spirit fill you so that it's no longer you, it's Jesus. Can anybody join me today as I say, Lord, penetrate the fabric of my life. Lord, hold me under. Sink the ship, Lord. Hold me under until the old man is gone, till all my habits are gone, till all the things that have held me back are gone. Lord, just hold me under until it's done. Lord, I need your enablement. I need your ability to do the works of the kingdom of God in these days. Does anybody need the ability of the Holy Ghost? The ho Come on. Lord, fill me with the love, your love that is so incredible, so overwhelming, that out of my innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I, that's what I want today. I want that overflow in my life, how about you? I don't wanna have been filled with the Spirit, I wanna be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Somebody stand with me now all over the room. I'm gonna ask you in the next few moments to invite the Lord to do just that in your life. I'm asking you to invite the Holy Spirit to do just that in your life today.